The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. <laughs> My name is Rob Fraser. I'm one of the pastors here at Crosspoint. Again, want to welcome you. Uh, that whole shoe thing, feel free to keep your shoes, by the way. Um, we are right now studying the book of Acts. The book of Acts tells us what um, happened after Jesus ascended back to heaven, and it's the beginning of the church. So it's my privilege uh, this evening to read for you from Acts chapter 6. Grab a Bible. If you have one of these, these are on the floor in front of you. I'm at page 910. If you don't have one of these, I can't tell you what page you're on. Acts chapter 6 says, But as the believers, verse 1, rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So, the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program, And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So, God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Thank you, Rob. Hey, uh, you have a a program there with a, a note sheet somewhere in there. You'll see the heading there is, Houston, we have a problem. Uh. And as we look at these verses today from Acts uh, in this this series of how the the cause of Christ is moving out and and gaining traction, uh, you'll see there, I loved it, at the beginning of Acts 6, where it says, i got to get there myself, where it says, as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Write this down today. Um, Reaching always means rumblings. Rapid reaching always means rumblings. I can keep going. I can get Dr. Seuss on you if I need to. It always means rumblings. Uh, and sometimes if you've been in, the, in a Christian, gone to church for a while, you'll hear from time to time this kind of thing go on. If you're newer to church, just I'm getting you ready for what Christians will, silly things Christians sometimes say. One of the silly things we say sometimes is, Man, the church today in America, the church in the West, the church here, it's so messed up, it's so jacked up. We need to get back to the purity and the awesomeness of the early church. I want to tell you, people that say that have never read the New Testament, because already here, we are 10 minutes into the story, and they're doing this great thing of helping people out who need food, but there's rumblings of discontent, and there's whining and complaining. There may be racism Stuff that's going on here. A chapter ago, people died at church. God killed people at church because they were lying about their giving. So, and the reason we have, the reason we have most of the letters in the New Testament is because the churches they got started were a mess, and somebody had to go write a letter back there, and they didn't travel. It was very difficult 
to get people back there to go solve it, so they had to write letters and send it. Uh, rum, re- reaching always means rumblings. Here at, at Crosspoint Church, uh, some of you that are newer here think that we're awesome. You haven't been here long enough. You will feel rumblings. You'll get in our small groups, and, and then you'll meet people, and then you'll meet me and go, rumblings of stuff just based on my personality and how I'm wired. And so reaching always means rumblings. And what we don't know here, it says that they, uh, they were saying they were, the widows were being discriminated against. And it's the Greek-speaking believers and the Hebrew-speaking believers. Now, these are all Jewish people. This is not Greeks versus Jews. This is the Jewish-speaking believers, are the Jews that were right there in Jerusalem, the Hebrew-speaking ones. And they lived and worked there, and they were just there. But because of Passover and Pentecost and all a bunch of people that had come in for those big festivals from all over the world, a lot of them had been, had been assimilated to their culture now for hundreds of years. So their primary language was not Hebrew anymore, it was Greek. And so you have this thing going on here, and they've got there's some needs here, let's, let's help people out. And we don't know for sure what, what's going on here. Was this racism going on? Were, they, were the Jewish-speaking believers were be giving, giving preferential treatment, were pushing the Greek-speaking uh, believers over to the side? Or was it simply just a matter of, it's just, it's a system that isn't working right now. It's just, it got too big, it got too massive, and they couldn't figure it out. And this is what it takes discernment. And today I want to tell you this. We're going to look at this and, and find some things that Luke describes for us here about about how to lead things well, about how to stay focused and multiply, how to raise up and let people stay in their lane and do what they're supposed to do about leadership and volunteering and serving the church. But I need to tell you, full disclosure here, that's not why it's here. What Luke is doing here is just describing something. You'll hear us say this all the time here. This is descriptive, not prescriptive. This is not saying this is how you should solve problems in the church every time they come up. It's what they did right then. What Luke is actually doing here is he's introducing us to a man named Stephen. We're going to find out about Stephen in the next chapter. Stephen will be the first person executed for being a Christian. And so Luke's going to describe that, and he's going to tell us, well, here's how this guy Stephen first kind of emerged onto the scene. There was this big problem, and that's the context for where Stephen came from. But as we do this today, I feel like as I was studying this this week and talking about it, there's so much that's just good in here, and I want you to hear this too. This is not just for Christian organizations. I want to take these things that are in here and talk about, okay, here's how it applies to the church, and then how you can even widen the application of this out to organizations, to your schools that you're a part of, to businesses that you run, to education settings that you might find yourself in, some great principles that will apply. They, they come out of just looking at what happened here, they're not stated here as this is the way to do it, but we can look and go, here's how they solved it. I wonder if there's some things we can learn from what they did that might be helpful for us as well. Uh, and sometimes what, it, what happens here, when you have rumblings in an organization, in a church, st- sometimes it takes great discernment. Sometimes you have to let squeaky wheels just squeak. If you've been around people some of you are wondering, you know, like there's people in your small group, there's people in your workplace, and they're just squeaky. And sometimes you just go, you know, just let that go. They're just squeaky wheels. And if you're wondering who the squeaky wheel is at your place, maybe, maybe you, we don't know. And maybe there's nobody there. 
Sometimes, as leaders, you let squeaky wheels just squeak, but sometimes you go, this is squeaky wheels, and the squeaky wheel there, this is the squeaky wheel is starting to rumble a little bit, and if this wheel comes flying off, we're going to have a big, massive problem here. So we have to address the rumblings before it becomes a rumble, before it really gets nasty and ugly there. And they feel like this is a big problem. And leadership, it takes discernment. Where do you just kind of let it go? And where do you let you step in and, and solve the problem that's there? And, and what they do here is they recognize we have to get a better system in place. And my guess is here is reading into this text at the beginning, the church starts, it's got, a, it's got 50 to 100 people there, and then all at once, thousands of people are now following Jesus, and they don't, they've run out of money, and so how do we do this? And so like, we have to take care of them, and it just kind of happened organically. Well, you take these people, and you take these people, let's, let's do something here. And all of a sudden, what started off as organic now has to become more systematic, it has to have some structure put around it, and it has nothing to do with... Sometimes when anything's growing, people go, well, how come it's got all this structure and policies and procedures right now? It's because it's so big. You can't just let it stay organic and just kind of, we'll just figure it out as we go. Let's just love people and take care of people. In order for things to grow, you oftentimes have to put some structure and new leadership around things to do that. It's fascinating here. When these rumblings pop up, you'll see what they didn't do. The thing that I am inclined to do as a leader that they didn't do is they didn't call anybody out. They didn't sit there and go, look, we're preaching the gospel here. Quit your whining, you bunch of babies. At least you're getting something to eat. You're getting food eventually. It just takes longer. They didn't call anybody out. They didn't even call out the people that maybe that were showing racist tendencies that were excluding different ethnic groups uh, and different language groups from doing this. They didn't call anybody out. They did the vanilla ice thing. You got a problem? Yo, let's solve it. That, that makes sense to about four of you here today. <laughs> Yo, let's solve it. And what's fascinating here as you, as you look back into this is they didn't also just suck it up and work harder. They didn't say there's a problem here, so come on, we're, we're leading this church thing here, so we got to, you take this, this shift and you take that shift and we'll try it. We'll put something in place. They didn't just suck it up and work harder. In any kind of situation where there's rumblings, in your family, in your church, in your school, wherever it is, one of the things that leaders have to learn to do is not say, well, what do we have to do to solve it? The first thing you have to do is, what shouldn't we do? Let's not impulsively just react and go out and solve the problem without thinking it through and go, before we just go out there and just work harder at this, maybe we should say what we shouldn't do rather than all the things that we're supposed to do first. So they don't do that. And, and the truth is, not every issue or problem in the church, in your small group, in your business, in your family, your neighborhood, not every single one of those will have your name on it. You'll see here, they, they said, look, our priority as the people leading this church, they said, is communication with God. They said it's the Word of God and prayer. And that's really, the, a lot of this comes out of the book of Acts. We've tried to emulate here at Crosspoint that the focus of what we do here is the Bible, the Bible's final. So every time we get to church here, we're going to open the Bible up and talk about the Bible. We're not just going to read stuff about pop culture and read things about some speaker that did some TED podcast or something like that. We're going to go, what's the Bible have to say about that? We're also going to be very committed to prayer. We have prayer groups that meet uh, every time we're here in the back of the church. We need prayer for anything. Prayer happens every Saturday evening 
with four to ten people, depending, uh, where they meet with me to pray for you guys and pray for the service for half hour or 45 minutes uh, before the, the services on the weekend. And then we have 252 adults here at Crosspoint in one of our small groups. And pretty much every week, all those adults are taking some time to hear what's going on in each other's lives and pray for each other. Now, sometimes I wish we had, when we did for here at Crosspoint, one of the things I think we could grow when it comes to prayer is when we have prayer gatherings, is we would have more people show up. I wish when we did like prayer and fasting, those kind of things. But part of me goes, yeah, sometimes though, it's because as a leader, I like it big. I like everybody be there all at once. But what if it's better? What if rather than 50 people showing up here at once, there's 250 showing up uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night for 15 to 35, 45 minutes, uh, listening to each other, praying for each other. So sometimes that prayer happens. I think we can grow in this area of prayer. But that's the focus of any good, solid church, the Word of God and prayer. It's communion and communication with God. That it's not about what I think or what you think. It's what does God think? What's God saying to us through, through prayer and, and the Word of God? And so what they do is we can't get distracted into running what is, I mean, we can take a, real, a quick poll here right now. Is it a good idea to be feeding people who don't have food? We're not talking about, we're gonna, it's not right for us to do the Word of God. We, we, we should stay focused on the Word of God in prayer so we can go home and watch football games on the weekend. They're not doing any of that. This is not, they're saying, look, it's a good thing. They say, it just doesn't have our name on it. And if we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing, we've got to stay focused on that. And guys, this is important not just for a church. This is important for wherever you lead anything. Is you've got to decide, I've got to keep, in order to be a, great, to be a leader of anything, I've got to keep focused. What are the one, two, three, four, five things, maybe, that I'm supposed to do, that God's called me to do in this family, in this church, in this company, in this classroom, that really nobody else can do, that I'm called to do, and stay focused. You've got to keep focused. Write that down. And here's why this is important. As a leader, especially, especially if things are going well, if you start a company and you start to gain traction, and people start to come. If you have a, a school, if you have a consulting thing that you do, and there's more and more people get, keep coming, keep getting in, at some point it can be very, very easy for you to get distracted from the main thing because there's real significant other needs out there, and you get sucked into everything. And the reason for that is, well, the noble reasons for that is, is that you care. You care about those people. So like, so, Shouldn't, shouldn't I do this? How could anybody say it's a bad thing or wrong thing to help feed people out there? And they said it wouldn't be right for us to do that. We had to get somebody else to do it. We got to stay focused. But if you, especially if you're the higher up you are in the organization in terms of that, especially, I knew this by, by real experience here at Crosspoint, especially if you were the one that started the thing. You start a company, you start a business, especially if you've risen up to some level where you have significant responsibility and oversight there, then you're going to feel that. And you're going to think from time to time, if you're not careful, if you're as evil as I am, that no one cares as much as I do. No, nobody works as hard as much as I do. Nobody cares as much as I do. And this is, so, so, I, I'm, I'll, so I'll take that and I'll grab that and I'll keep doing all these things and you keep doing it and doing it. It leads to burnout and distraction and a lack of focus. And so what he's saying here is that it's very, very important that because you care so much and the truth is, 
Sometimes the reason we have a hard time uh, staying focused and not taking everything onto ourselves is because we're control freaks. We know the best way for things to be done, and nobody else around here gets that. So if somebody's going to do it and do it right, I guess I got to do it. I know none of you have ever thought that, but you've probably worked for leaders and seen leaders like that. It's a big, I'm telling you right now, it's a big honking problem that I have when it comes to even how we do Crosspoint Church and things here. It's a battle I constantly have to go after. So we have to stay focused, keep focused. Uh, over here, you're here in Acts, keep something here in Acts, and turn to the right to the book of Ephesians. You'll pass Acts, Romans, there's two books of Corinthians, then there's Galatians, then there's Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul is writing a letter to the church, the churches in Ephesus, and he's telling them, here's how the thing should be set up and structured. And he talks about the different roles and responsibilities in the church as an organization. Look at verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is, and if we're not careful, we think, is to do the work. They've got jobs to do there. They've got roles and gifts. Their job, do you see what it says here? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, my job here, your, your small group leader's job, you know, your, uh, the staff people, our children's ministry, Crystal up here with worship ministry, Sam, who works here with all the first impressions and all the things about connecting with people, what Rob does, what I could just list off for you, what Tambi does here with events and missions and outreach, all their, their responsibility is so they're going to work hard, but their deal is they've got to get people on their team and equip and train you to do the work. That's how, because then the body of Christ works together. It's not just one or two or three or four parts of the body of Christ. The whole body works together. And the idea of this is it's the importance of multiplication, raising up leaders. And this applies to every kind of venture, whether it's the church, whether it's your business, whether it's a school thing. And here's what it is. We have to stay focused and then we have to multiply. And you'll see multiply, I think, is written out there on the, the note sheet. But here's what it looks like to, to, to multiply people. We use this all the time around here. It's identify, develop, and deploy. I, I don't care what you're leading. You, you might not be the top leader of your organization. You might be down here overseeing three or four people here, working with three or four people down here. You're not, maybe not 30 or 40. Whatever, wherever you're at, your job if you're going to see something rapidly grow and move, is to always be identifying people that you could, that you could raise up, that could come on and, and do new stuff here and serve on your team. You need to also develop those people. Don't just identify them and go, well, they're great at it, and boom, go. No, you got to train them and develop them. And sometimes, sometimes that developing of people is classroom training, instruction kind of things, reading books, taking notebooks home, watching a 12-minute uh, YouTube video and doing some homework. And that's very valuable, important. Around here, what we think is way better than classroom training is just on-the-job training. 
our deal is to get you out of the classroom as soon as we can and get you out there doing stuff. Because I'm telling you, once you start doing it, all of a sudden you have a hunger to learn. All of a sudden you go, I, I got to know something. I'm working with these kids here and they're talking about, if I don't train you how to work with our kids back here in kids ministry or student ministries and say, here's all the things you have to know, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we actually let you sit with them in a small group for several weeks. You're going to go, I need some training because it's on the job training. And that's the best kind of training there is out there. And then we have to, in order to multiply ourselves, we have to actually deploy them, not just identify them and not just train them, but but deploy them, give them responsibility, let them take it and run with it. And this is one of the hardest things you'll ever do as a leader, because as you raise up people, you've identified, developed, and you're going to want to deploy them. What you're going to recognize very early on is, I'm better at this than they are. Right now, I could probably teach this class, lead this thing, do the website thing, do the communications flyer, whatever it is, you might be better at it at the beginning, but that's because you're a control freak. And, you, and we start to think, well, if I just, I got to keep doing this. Somebody, you got to go, I got to let them go. And that means giving them some freedom to do it differently than how you do it. Letting them do some of that. And what you'll discover when you do that is there'll be times you go, hmm, that's not how I do it, but here's what you're going to discover. If you never release people and deploy people out to do it, you're never going to see new stuff grow and be established. Never going to see like, oh my gosh, that person, the way they sing, the way they coordinate worship sets, the way they mix sound, the way they figure out how to do cameras and all the technology here in the place, all that stuff. I study like crazy. I let people do it and go, look, it's not how I would have done it, but we got better results and we're moving ahead better because we got other people doing stuff. And from time to time, you mean, oh, that's not how I do it. It's okay. Because the benefit you get over not having it be your way all the time, you ridiculous control freak, Steve, is you get new stuff. You get new exciting stuff that, that goes on here. And the mission will only move forward if the leaders will focus and multiply. It will not move forward if we have to keep doing it all ourselves. So they choose seven men. I have no idea why seven doesn't really tell us why. And it's clear here that these men that they call to lead this are not the ones that are doing all of the nitty-gritty work. They, they are doing some of it. Their job is to give oversight and leadership to this whole big massive program to help uh, provide food for, these, for the widows that are there. And then it tells us, back here in Acts chapter 6, look at verse 4. It says, select seven men who are in your Bibles, put a number one by well-respected, put a number two by full of the Spirit, and put by number three, wisdom. One, two, three. This is what you should be looking for when it comes to anybody that you're going to raise up and give more responsibility to in whatever level of any organization that you lead, whether it's a small group leader where you're going to try to get somebody else to come raise up and help them lead your small group, whether it's to start something in the business world. And he says here... Um, well-respected, full of spirit, full of wisdom. There's also some other verses that you can look at from 1 Timothy and Titus and Peter. I'd encourage you to look at those verses this week. But number one, he says, people that are well-respected. The question that goes with that is people that are well-respected, it's like, what's my reputation out there? What's my reputation? What do people think about me? And the idea here is, it's not going to come up on the screen because I didn't think about it this way until this afternoon, but it's this, what's going to come up here is the idea of stability. 
when it comes to uh, being well-respected, the idea of stability, but also integrity. That I don't do something over here that's way different over there. That my life does live with a sense of people respect me because I am who I say I am. I don't do one thing over here and completely different over here. You know that as soon as you see somebody that does that, even if you like them, even if you agree with what they're telling you over here, you just don't have any respect for them. So well-respected. And then he says, full of the Spirit. This, is mean, this means like they're on fire for God. They're passionate about it. The idea here is full of the Spirit is the idea of zeal. Their zeal. They have, they have great zeal for this. And this is important for us in the church. We don't want you to serve here at Crosspoint because, well, I go to church is what I'm supposed to do because that never lasts. The only, what I look around for here, we talk about here some of our key values and culture things here. We actually ripped this off from a guy named Patrick Lencioni who's written a bunch of business books out there. He wrote a book several years ago about the ideal team players. Three key things we're looking for, humble, hungry, and smart. That I'd be hungry. Just like, I'm excited about this. Give me something to do. They're not sitting back, well, I don't know, and if I have to. They're, 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 you want to find people that you're going to build into, that you're going to raise up, to take on more responsibility. You want to find people that are well-respected and people that are got some fire in those, their soul. They're not just doing it. This widens out of the workplace just for the paycheck. They're doing it because they're excited about what they get to do here. They're, they're zealous about the work they get to do. And certainly, when there's money involved in that, that's certainly part of the deal. But if people are just doing it for the paycheck, these are never people you're ever going to raise up if it's just for the money. And then number three, full of wisdom. This is the idea of just basic common sense. And you'll see up on the screen here it says uncommon sense because I'm not sure how, <laughs> I'm not sure the sense we have in our culture today is common. What we need is some uncommon sense. This is the idea, Proverbs talks about this. It says zeal without knowledge is going to be a disaster. And, and what we sometimes have in, in leadership and in, in churches, is we'll have either churches that are all about wisdom over here, but where's the fire, where's the zeal, or you'll have churches that are all about zeal over here, and they just, they are crazy wild, they're blah about things, but they, they have no structure, they can't get anything done, because they can't put those things together, that's why they say they look for people well-respected, full of spirit, and full of wisdom, common sense. This is who we're looking for here all the time here at Cross Point Church. Whenever we're looking around, looking around for elders to join our elder team, looking around for people to be small group leaders, people to help be Sunday school teachers, maybe people to raise up and, not, and, and, and be maybe key volunteers that may move up to be like team leads and kind of provide some oversight and leadership to one of the teams. Well-respected, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. And what you'll notice in here, the thing they're going to do is getting food getting it prepared, getting it packaged, whatever, and then getting it distributed to people. Is anything in the qualifications about their competency? Do any of these guys work in the restaurant industry? Do they have any experience with food procurement and food distribution? Do they work for Aldi or Walmart or Stater Brothers? Do they work in, they don't work, we hear nothing about their competency. And I'm telling you right now, the thing we want to look for all the time with people is character over competency every time. Because you can teach competency. People can figure out the nitty-gritty of what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it. You can't teach character. 
That's why he says here, focus on well-respected, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. And it says there, everyone liked this idea. It's like, okay, we got an idea here. Let's do it. And they, uh, they find these seven guys. They pray and commission them. And it says that they, they, it, it, it spreads. Look at verse 7. God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. You know what's happening now? This thing is getting, gaining so, much, so many people believing in this, they can't count it anymore. They have no idea how many people are in this church. So he says, there's a great many people, and even the people that used to hate us, even the priests who were opposed to Jesus and opposed to this way of Jesus, are all of a sudden, we're starting to gain some inroads, even in the opposition there. I think it's, it's, it's a beautiful story of how, hey, they just, hey, we got a problem, we got to solve it, let's pray about this, let's focus, let's multiply. And I think what's fascinating here, this is some of the take-home stuff here today. It says they chose the following, Stephen, and then there's parentheses, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. On your note sheet today, there is a little exercise for you to do. You can do it right now or you can do it later this week. Insert your name here on that blank. Devin, Danny, Fabio, Mark, Kelly, whatever your name is there. And then there's parentheses there. What's in your parentheses? If, if somebody says, hey, let's choose this person, Danny, Rye, Kevin, Jason, a man full of, a woman full of, if you're going to be full of it, let's be full of the right kind of things. We've got a whole world that's full of it today, seriously. What we need is some people full of, I look at that and go, can you imagine if somebody's just talking about you and they talk about your name and go, that dude, full of faith in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> a person like Barnabas, just a man of it, a person who's full of encouragement, a person full of the other people, full of grace and truth. Look, it doesn't mean that it has to be these specific things here. And part of this is, if you're wondering what it should be, ask people around you, and they're probably going to kind of just placate you and tell you all kinds of beautiful, amazing things about you. You don't know for sure what they would say about you, but maybe it's like, what would I want to be in my blank? What would I want, what would I want to be in the parentheses? And before we start talking about all the things we're supposed to do for God, and we're talking about some of those things, about what it means to multiply and identify, develop, deploy, and serve, and be raised up and lead, maybe we should focus first on who we become, not what we do. Being people of character, people that... So take some time with that this week. Take some time, get up early, stay up late, and just sit there and go, what would I want to be in those parentheses? If, if my name was there in the Bible and they were going to put a little around that, what would it be? Now again, Luke is pointing out Stephen in particular here because Stephen's about to be arrested and about to be the first, what they call a martyr, someone who's killed for their faith. So he's introducing us to him here. And we're going to look at, start to look at that uh, next in the next episode. But let's just, can we just talk? Can I move from giving a message today, just having a conversation with you? Let's just talk for a bit here. Some things that maybe emerged out of this, just some things for you to think about. Um, on the... In your program today, there's a little thing called the intersect. 
It's what we use as the framework for discussion in our small groups. Look at question five there. It says there, how can you share your strengths and passions to develop and deploy more people for the gospel? How can you use how God's wired you and made you to move the mission forward, the mission of Jesus forward? And so some things for us to think about today. And and I want this today here at Crosspoint, I want you guys to know that my hope and prayer for these next five or six minutes here is not to go, oh man, to just pile on and go, oh, you're terrible, you need to get more of this, quit being lazy, get off the bench, get in the game. Some of that maybe some of you need to hear. I want you to feel greatly encouraged and excited. When I was reading this, we got a church full of people that are doing this all the time. But for some of you, maybe it's today, just talking about this. Are you overwhelmed right now? Are you burned out and burning out because you're trying to do too much? Because you have control freak problems. Because you care so much and you're trying to do all that in your family, in your work, and at some point, you've got to sit down and take some time to get some perspective to go, maybe it's time for me to say no to a few things. Maybe so. And maybe it's, God, I can't say no to that right now, but I've got to get somebody to help me with this. To, to identify, develop, and deploy somebody else into this thing here to help me with, with what I'm doing. Sometimes you have to give up control and power. It can be a very challenging thing And sometimes the reason you're so overwhelmed and stressed out is because you're just trying to do too much. And so maybe the lesson today is it wouldn't be right for you to keep taking on more stuff. Take on a few less things. For a few of you, maybe you need to do that. Uh, There's a great, there's great verses there on the on the intersect, there's some digging deeper verses. You're gonna like it from Exodus, I think it's Exodus chapter 8 or 38. I don't even know where it is. Let me find it here for you. Because you want to do all these verses, but especially. Exodus 18 tells the story of Moses trying to do everything and his father-in-law showed up and said, dude, what are you doing? This, you're, you're a fool, man. You're going to kill yourself and eventually you're going to kill some people here because they're going. what's going to happen to you, Moses? You're going to get so frazzled up here like this and at some point you're going to go <laughs> on these people because Moses had an anger problem. He goes, you can't do this, Moses. You got it. And read the story. It's fascinating what happens there. Today, here at Cross Point Church, as we're coming back stronger and more and more people are coming here and all that, um, we have some rumblings around here. Some rumblings of some stuff where, hmm, we need some help. For everybody right now, whether you're online watching us on your couch, whether you're watching this later this week on demand in your office or your car, well, if you're in your car, please don't take the connection card out and look at it. But pull over. This connection card right here. Take it out and flip it over to the back. Everybody, do this right now. We right now, in every single one of these areas here, have rumblings. We have rumblings in kids' ministry. We open up Saturday night, and we have that afloat and going. We need more people to jump in there and help out. Sunday morning, the same thing. Take you through guest service teams, greeters, parking, roadies, hospitality, hosts, welcome center, There's rumblings in there. There's rumblings in middle school and high school ministry. There is a 7th grade girls small group that has 17 7th grade girls in it with one leader. We can't keep doing that. We need, 
high school ministry, in, in admin, all the things that are going on here behind the scenes to keep everything moving together in events, in facilities, in prayer, men's, women's, worship ministry. Crystal was telling me this all the time. People said, well, you have different people up there all the time. Your, your team's full. Look at me for a second. Our teams will never be full, even if they're full. We're going to find more ways to use people because, gosh, guys, as we do this, the mission moves forward because as we get more people on the team, it gives us the ability to not just keep everything like this going. It gives us the ability to multiply and move it out and experiment and innovate with all kinds of things, communications, and then there's other kinds of stuff. So where can you help? And here's the deal. Sometimes, well, I don't know what I'm gifted at, what I should do. Just do something. Just do something. Honestly, all, you, all, this, all, the, all the people that head up teams right now are clapping right now. <laughs> Do something. It's a little bit like this. What we're looking for, I hope it gets here. So we prayed about this this week on Thursday at our day of prayer and fasting. I'm praying for God to stir up in our hearts collectively and individually and collectively in our church an excitement about what's going on here. And bigger than excitement what's going on here at Cross Point, excitement about Jesus. Because you get excited about Jesus, you get excited about the head coach of the team. Then you go, man, he's amazing. He's like, put me in, coach. I don't. Well, what position? I don't care. I'll put special teams, defense, carry the water out to the team to do that to help bandage up and tape up people's sprained ankles. Whatever you need me to do, coach, just put me in somewhere. So on the bottom, on the back of that connection card right here, check out every box and go. Just put me in somewhere, coach. If you're not serving yet, today's the day. The coach is telling you, come on, get in the game. And again, this is not about. Well, I have to get in the game because I go to church here. This is like, be excited about this. My prayer is that you get so excited about Jesus, then it's not about, see, what I want, what I want is I've got a few people around here. I'm looking at some of you. I know who you are right now. I'm not going to call you out by name because that would embarrass you and my wife won't be mad at me for embarrassing somebody at church here today. But what I want is I want all kinds of people just so geeked out and excited. They keep going, give me more, give me more. I go, stop. You need to do less here. We need to you're like a wild horse out there. We have to rein you in. I'd rather have a bunch of wild horses than a bunch of dead ones sitting on the ground. I got a kick to get up. So come on, get, get in here. And here's the deal. If you've been coming here for a month and we haven't talked to you about serving yet, we're not doing it right. We need you to jump in, get in the game. And I'm telling you, it's not even just because we have the needs. You're going to find out how exciting it is to not be sitting up in the stands watching and critiquing. How come they do this? You're not doing that stuff anymore. Not being, not being the, the people that call into sports radio shows to talk about how the players should have played the game. If they were the player, how they would have done it, or the coach, they would have done it. No, you're going to be in the game. It just changes everything for you. So get in the game. That went way too long on that part. And look at me, guys. This is not even just about, just about where we have needs and rumblings around here on here. What I want to see happen here is like, what are, you, what are you just jacked up about, excited about? It's the kind of thing where people from time to time will stop me here after church or in the plaza or they'll have an appointment with me at a coffee place and say, man, Steve, I got this heart, this desire for all these things here. I think the church should do this. If you've ever had that conversation with me, here's, here's the, I'm just telling you what's going to happen. You're saying you're absolutely right. The church should do this, and we should be doing this. And you know how I know we should be doing it? Because God put fire in your soul about that, and the church is not the pastors and staff and leaders of the church. It's the whole dang thing. It's the whole beautiful mess of all of us. So you should start that thing, and we'll help you. We'll help, help you recruit people. We'll resource that. What are you excited about? 
We, at this Thursday prayer thing we just had this last week, there's some people in there talking, about, I got a passionate heart for this thing with recovery and mental health stuff, with abortion recovery, and people have been to that to resource people, single moms, and all that kind of stuff, just getting excited about that kind of thing. We'd love to see that, all that happen and more. Some lessons that emerge out of here today. What kind of person am I becoming? What's in my parentheses? And what, what's God calling me to do today? Is he calling me to just back off a little bit and be a little more focused, to give up on some things? Maybe I'm doing too much. And maybe God's saying, hey, get over here. It's time to get in the game. I'm done. The band's going to come up. (laughs) So we're going to give you a chance. We're going to sing some songs here to let now the Holy Spirit do the work of applying what I just said into your heart and soul. Because the truth is, as eloquent and amazing and and great communicator as I can be sometimes, (laughs) I'm telling you, it doesn't work. The only thing that works is you sit here and God's spirit moves your heart. You get excited. God lights a fire in your soul and you go, I got to serve somewhere. I, gotta, I just have to. So on the back of that connection card, you'll have, be able to see this while the songs go. Just There might be some things that, God, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to give up on? If there's anything you would need prayer about, our prayer team will be at the back of the house today in those, uh, ch- in those chairs in the very back of the house. Come and get prayer. If you have questions about some things you want to get involved in or just wisdom about what you're doing or not doing here at Crosspoint or in the community, put it on the connection card. We'd love to talk to you about that. Come and talk to me. Come and talk to Sam. Come and talk to Katie. Come and talk to Crystal. Come and talk to people here that serve at key positions here. We'll help you figure that out. We're also going to give you the opportunity to come and receive communion today. It's in the four corners of the room. It's bread and juice representing the body and the blood of Jesus that was given for us. We always, no matter what we're talking about here at Crosspoint, whether it's families and parenting or volunteering or Abraham, Isaac, Jacob or Joseph or Moses or whoever it is, we're going to always take some time and get you back to Jesus. To remember that if you forget everything else that you hear today, you remember Jesus. And see, once you let the grace of God into your heart again and let that communion experience refresh your soul that stirs up excitement and then volunteering isn't about a duty it's just about the joy so Jesus today whatever you want to say whatever you want to do here in these next few minutes as we sing these songs to you and about you just do your stuff